opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. We've covered many adaptive sports for the blind and visually impaired on the show. They've ranged from golf to soccer. But what about tennis? Oh, yes. Today's topic is all about blind and low vision tennis. ABC News Australia reports that the sport is growing in popularity with the blind and visually impaired. Joining us to talk about what makes blind tennis different from regular tennis is Blind Sports Australia Chief Executive, Matt Clayton. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Bron. Glad you're here. So tell us about yourself and Blind Sports Australia. Yeah, thanks. I, well, I've been the CEO at uh, Blind Sports Australia for uh, just over six years. Um, and Blind Sports Australia has been around for well over 20 years here in Australia. Um, we work nationally as a national sporting organisation, working with a whole range of sports across the country. So we have around 23, 24 different sports in Australia that people who are blind or have low vision are actively in engaged in So um, and with more sports coming on board. So um, it's a really busy sort of period for us across the country. Well, one of those sports is blind and low vision tennis. How do the blind and visually impaired play the sport? Yeah, look, it, it's like it's very much like traditional tennis. Um, it's played on a standard tennis court with some adjust, adjustment to line markings. Uh, they use, people who play use a smaller tennis racket and an adapted foam ball that makes a noise when it bounces. Um, and the, one of the main difference in terms of um, what people may see when they see the game is the fact that there are actually more bounces allowed depending on your site classification. So if you're a B1 or a B2 athlete, you're allowed up to three bounces. If you're a B3 athlete, you're, you're allowed two bounces. Uh, and if you're a B4 athlete, you can have, have the traditional one bounce. And that's where the main adjustment to the game is. Apart from that, it looks like, sounds like a traditional game of tennis, with a little bit of a rattle in the ball. Speaking of sounds, what does the ball sound like when it touches the ground or moves towards the player? Yeah, it, it, it's a relatively soft sound, but it's um, it's very much just a, a little rattle sound as it bounces. So it's relatively gentle, but it's quite distinguishable on the court itself. So being a foam ball, it, it makes it a little softer. So the rattle of the ball is, is quite determinate. So um, it's a little bit like a child's rattle in terms of that sort of sound. That's what I thought. I understand that this sport went through a lot of struggles to get support on Australia. Why was that? Uh, look, it, it, it's probably less, less in terms of support, more around the fact that and so we have a, a number, a large number of sports in the country. And we're obviously a fairly small country with a population of around 27 million people. Um, certainly compared to the States, is quite small. So with that choice, it's almost, there are a number of really traditional sports for us. So traditional sports like blind cricket, which may not be a, a large one, obviously in the States, but um, goalball, which is, has been a big traditional sport. So with the evolution of new sports, it takes sometimes takes a little while for people to get on board with those sports. Um, and, and obviously part of that is also having a coordinated approach to growing that nationally. So um, the game sort of started in the 80s, 80s and 90s in, the, in Japan, but sort of it started to evolve. And certainly in the last five years, it's really boomed here in Australia. Okay, so Japan kind of started it and just suggested the idea, 
hey, blind and low vision tennis should become this special sport. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was uh, it was a passion of, of of a gentleman from over there who who really wanted to look at the sport and see how a, a, how it might be adapted, how they could develop the ball and the game. Um, and I, from what I know, they had a real vision around being able to see that that game grow and, and potentially become a Paralympic sport one day. So um, certainly the growth uh, in the last, I said, 10, 10 years or so internationally has started to grow with a few more countries coming on board, but certainly the last, well, for us, the last two or three years has been an absolute boon. One of the struggles was taking the long commutes to tennis clubs who were supporting blind and low vision tennis. That was just too much. What? Yeah, look. It, Go ahead. Yes, yeah, so certainly. Look, the um, the commute something that we we find is is one of the challenges with, with most a lot of our sports. Um, so one of the one of the big challenges has been being able to get more clubs involved. One of the upsides to, to being a sport like tennis are tennis clubs are in most towns, most cities um, around the place. Certainly in Australia, and I'd imagine the states as well. So. For us, it's been about educating clubs and getting clubs involved to be able to welcome people who play the game in and then also ha- educate coaches. Half the time the battle is educating coaches to say, well, this is sport we can start to coach people around. So that's been part of the struggle to be able to grow the sport, um, particularly at a local level. But we've ne- we now see that as one of the great opportunities for us is that we are able to work with clubs in regional and uh, remote areas, and because you only potentially need one or two people with low vision to be involved, it's a sport that doesn't need large teams to get, get out there. So if we can get more clubs educated and aware, we can get a sport like that happening in in places where we may not have other traditional sports going. So these are some of the reasons, I guess, that sparked the sudden increase in the popularity of blind and low vision tennis. Any other reasons you think why the popularity of the sport has gone up? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, certainly being able to have a coordinated approach to it um, has made a massive difference. Um, for us in the states of Victoria uh, and in South Australia as well, they, they've they been uh, been developing the sport for, for close to a decade or so here in Australia. And they've, they've had some good success in growing the sport but the, the ability to grow nationally for us has very much been um, having a, building a pathway. And that's for a lot of people a really important part of that is as much as the sport's great to just better play with friends or at a local club, there are now pathways for people to take part in um, state or national events, but also to be able to go on and, and take part internationally. So certainly for a lot of uh, our participants, they can see a pathway to be able to take part in, in a whole range of events and, and people are now doing that, and that's helped. We now have Tennis Australia on board who have really um, taken the reins in, in growing the sport and really investing their time and energy into growing the sport, and that's made a significant difference in terms of bec- becoming a, a very national activity um, and having those pathways come in place, and that's really been the difference for the last two or three years. Let's take a break from Blind Tennis for a second. What other sports does Blind Sports Australia represent? Yeah, look, we, um, in terms of sports we work directly with, it's sports like lawn bowls, um, goalball, um, blind golf, blind cricket, um, 10 pin bowling, 
they're, they're some of the direct sports and, and blind footballers and soccer. Uh, but we then work really closely with other national sport organisations here. And so the number of sports here in the, the, in the country that people can get involved with has, uh, has really grown over the last five years. So we have around 23 different sports. So that's everything from a sport like AFL, for, which for many people in the States will be a bit of a, a novelty, so Australian rules football. So that's the sport that's grown in the last three or four years. But then we were involved with archery, athletics, um, a sport called vision impaired table tennis we have here, cycling, equestrian. Um, judo is a sport that's st- starting to grow here as well, uh, through to rowing, sailing, shooting, um, as well as various winter sports and swimming. Now, with the football, with the AFL, are you referring to like NFL football with uh, regular f- uh, oval football, or is this the football with the U and it's soccer? No, so this is Australian rules football, which is uh, very distinct a sport that we have here in Australia, uh, which is quite different to, to many other sports. So we it it's a very fast paced sport that's traditionally played on on a large oval um, where people kick the, kick the ball mark the ball and use their hands to, to pass the ball and test what we call a handball with their fists. Uh, it's it's quite a tough sport um, as opposed to maybe NFL, there's no padding involved, um, big tackles. So in Australia, it's, it's, it's a massive sport here in Australia and we've been able to work with the AFL, Australian Football League, over the last uh, five or six years to develop that into a sport that's been adapted for blind and, and vision impaired Athletes take part, and people love it. AFL is a passion here in Australia for, for many people. So the fact we have a really genuine outlet for people to take part in that sport uh, now for people who have low vision is, is amazing. Uh, and it's it has big bumps and all the things that people here in Australia love about AFL as part of that game. Now back to blind and low vision tennis. I understand that not only are you going back and forth with the ball for an hour, but you're also good to have fun and joke with your friends, right? Absolutely. And, and that's the most important part of playing any sport, well, certainly from my perspective, and that's why I've been involved in sport for a long time, as many others have. It, it's, it's very much about being able to spend time with friends and, and be active and, and, and enjoy being around other people. And tennis is one of those great sports where you can do that. Even when you play, you can have a joke and a bit of a laugh. And there's a lot of time spent on the sidelines. So... That social aspect is such an important part of, of why people play as well. And exercising and socialing together, I think, makes everybody stay healthy. Absolutely. Matt, I understand that there are all sorts of tournaments and championships for the sport all over Australia. That's right. So certainly um, last year we had our the first um, opportunity to have state championships in all of our mainland states here in Australia, which... Ha- was the first time, which was which was amazing. So we have six main six states here in Australia, uh, five of which are on the mainland island. Um, so each of those held uh, state championships, which were well attended, and we then had national championships. So which was our our third national champs, um, which has been fantastic. We've seen really big growth and people travelling and going to those um, activities. So for some, that requires. Uh, they've spent four or five hours on a plane to fly over to take part in events, um, and people love it. They just just love that opportunity to take part in. It's a really good competition, uh, well spirited, but yeah, very competitive. 
And that's also then led to athletes being able to go overseas last year and take part in, in world blind tennis events as well. Speaking of uh, events, pro-blind and low-vision tennis player Grace Hobbs participated in the Australian Open's All Abilities Day back in January. Uh, tell us about Grace Hobbs. Yeah, Grace uh, Grace is, is a fantastic athlete. So she is our number one ranked uh, women's B4 tennis player. Uh, she's She took part at the World Blind Games um, it's a World Blind Games last year for us um, over in the UK and won gold medal and, and was the champion at, at that event in the, in the B4 women's category. So, yeah, a great athlete, an amazing person. So um, she ha- has really grown as as the sport has grown. So it's helped certainly helped her confidence and her abilities, but she spends a lot of time practising and getting involved outside of her out of side of her time working so um she's great she so grace um is a, a young person who um has a cochlear implant um so for her the, the challenges are not only about around the vision in terms of picking up the ball but also from an audible perspective as well so but she's been able to adapt and develop her game and as i said she's she's a world champion now in, in the sport how did she do yeah, she, she she did really well at the um, with the exhibition games at the Australian Open. Uh, we had um, four of our um, medalists from the Ipsa Games take part. She uh, she more than held her own against in the doubles matches that were there. So um, yeah, she did extremely well at the Australian Open. Uh, those people who were there to see her in action were really impressed with her the quality of her game. So um, they didn't end up. They weren't doing uh, competitive scoring, but just to be able to demonstrate the games themselves, um, people were just amazed at how well she played. How do you score in blind and low vision tennis? Is it like regular tennis? Exactly the same. So the scoring system is exactly the same. So um, depending on the competition that's taking place, they may reduce the length of sets. So um, it may be... Um, first to four or first to five in terms of games. Uh, and that is often determined by how much time is available for the tournament itself. But otherwise, it's still exactly the same. So um, has Juice, uh, Love, 15, 30, 40, et cetera. So all the scoring is exactly the same. And do you have also a referee or person who sits on the sideline and watches the action? Yeah. Absolutely. So there's st- there's a chair umpire that takes uh, that takes part in in each of the games. So exactly the same as a normal normal event. Um, more often than not, that umpire will actually be based on the court. So that um, particularly for athletes who um, may also have some uh, hearing impairment, it makes it a little bit easier for people to be able to hear the scores and hear what's going on. So rather than necessarily being up in a chair, they may may be on the actually down near the net and scoring and adjudicating what's going on. How do you decide the winner of the uh, tournament? And uh, do they still get any trophies or any special invitations to future tournaments? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's similar top scenario to an, a, what an, any other tennis tournament would be. So um, certainly with our state-based tournaments, uh, we have, there will be a, a round robin um, and then the 
top-ranked players coming out of those round robins will go through to semis and to finals, um, and the finalists and, and winners will all receive trophies. Uh, they'll receive ranking points for national ranking points um, so that if there are international events that come up, then those ranking points can go towards selection for people to take part in, in those events internationally. So uh, it, it works very similarly to how other tennis tournaments and tennis uh rankings or tennis um, achievements would take place. Uh, can you tell us about some other uh, great players in this sport and about their experiences? Yeah, absolutely. So um, certainly at the IBSA World Games last year, we had had some had a number of really uh, strong athletes who, who went over and attended, all with uh, across a whole range of categories. So um, one example would be Mick Lee, who's our men's uh, B3 men's champion. So he uh, won gold in the, the B3 men's over at the Ipsy Games. So Mick also has a, a hearing impairment um, as well as, as sight loss. So um, he's been able to take part in the game and, and, and grow it a lot around that. Mick was actually featured um, in a MasterCard promotion leading into last year's Australian Open, um, and which was amazing to feature himself and uh, another young athlete, Courtney Webeck, uh, who played with Alicia Mollick, who was a, was a, was a world-class player um, as part of a MasterCard promotion, which actually enabled people all, all across Australia to be able to see the, the great abilities that our blind low vision tennis players have as they took on Alicia in, in a game, which is focused. Alicia wore... Um, will bl- block out shades and try to play the game with the ball and really struggled, uh, whereas Cindy Courtney and for Mick, they were able to really shine and show how they've been able to adapt their game to the particular way in which it's played. Um, we then have a, another gentleman, Ross Patterson, who's our B4 men's champion. So Ross has um, developed a vision impairment over time. Uh, he's a principal at at, um, at a large college here in Australia. So he's been able to adapt from being a regular tennis player into someone who's now playing one low vision tennis as his vision has diminished. But um, the ability for people to adapt from traditional tennis into the game itself is really highlighted through Ross. So, and that's something we certainly promote a lot is that ability for people to, who do lose vision over time. And that's a significant number of people with vision loss is that it's a game they can play for life, even if they do develop a vision impairment. And that's really important message for, for not only for tennis, but for many of our sports, that people can continue to play sports and be active post ha- having that sort of diagnosis. This is really good. Um, can you talk more about the sports popularity in the US? Yeah, look, it's, it's a great question. And um, I, I'm, not aware, I, I'm not overly aware of, of how big the sport is in, in the States itself, but I do know that a gentleman by the name of Murray Alborn, who, um, who's here from Australia, was a I um, competed in the Paralympics in the sport of goalball for over a number of years. Uh, recently moved back to the States. His, his wife is from the States and has been working on growing the game of, of blind and low vision tennis, which is sometimes called sound ball as well, um, in various parts of the States. So I know that he's been there for the last 12 months or so uh, and has been working to grow the sport over there. Um, also, the president of the International Blind Tennis Association, Samir here is actually based in California. So there's actually some really good people around the sport who are now based 
in the states who are looking to grow the sports, grow the sport itself. So there are more opportunities which will become a- available as time goes by. Where do you see blind and low vision tennis growing 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30, 40 years from now? Yeah, look, it, I, I, th- I think one, for us, one of the great opportunities about um, blind and low vision tennis is the fact that it's a sport that can be played at your local tennis club. So the opportunity for us to be able to reach out to more clubs and get people involved is has such a big upside. Uh, and one of the other great things about tennis is the fact that even with blind and low vision tennis, you can play that with your one of your siblings or your parents or someone else because um, they're still going to be using the same ball. So if you just want to be able to go out and have a hit um, rather than playing competitive matches. So if you can still do that with your friends, but use your, the the blind and low vision tennis ball to better have that hit, which is which is amazing and something which a lot of not a lot of other blind and low vision sports give that opportunity to. I know there's a there's a great feeling amongst uh, players here in Australia that they're really keen to see the sport become an, a, an essential part of tournament play here at the Australian Open in the next five years or so. Um, and I know there has was a I think there was a trial of the sport uh, or a demonstration I think at Wimbledon last year. So there's certainly a hope and a dream that the sport will become something that is linked in with the major tennis tournaments around the world. Um, There's also a great push for it to become part of the Paralympics in future future rotations as well. So from our perspective, it would be amazing to see it come into maybe the Brisbane 2032 Games here in Australia perhaps or or post that. So that's that's a big vision that a lot of people are really keen to pursue and to push. So I'd love to see that over the next 10, 15, 20 years as – as the pathways that people have to be able to take part in those major tournaments, um, as much as it is for someone to be able to play with their family in the backyard or at the local tennis club or or down the park where there may be a wall they can hit against, but they can do that with with friends and family because they, they're aware of the sport and they know that's something they can play and they can get ready access to the equipment, which for a lot of time has been the big blocker as well. So that's our vision for the sport. Family wants to play blind and low vision tennis. What should they do? Yeah, look, certainly to, to understand the game itself, um, uh, Tennis Australia uh, have, a, have a really good website with information around the sports, uh, how it's played here in Australia um, and what can be done. Uh, similarly, in the States, it, it might be worth uh, reaching out to um, USABA and the, the US um, blind sports to be able to look at where their pathways may be to be able to get involved in the sport. So they may be, they may be linked in with... Uh, with Murray or with others, or simply to go to the IBTA website and, and reach out to Samir, who's based in the States. He, he'll probably understand what's happening in the States around getting involved in the sports. So there are more pathways which will come. A part of that is also is, is having people who haven't been able to say, look, I really want to take on the sport. And that's because it is a sport that can be played anywhere. Um, it's having that groundswell of people wanting to be interested. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, look, all I'll say is, Blind tennis is an is, tennis is a, is a fantastic sport. Um, for me, to see how the sport's grown and and the real passion people have for it, uh, it's by far our, our fastest growing sport here in Australia. Um, it just takes a, a bit of groundswell and a bit of interest from people to, and it's something which can take off. Um, but yeah, look, it's an amazing sport and we and we love it. Well, Matt, thanks for coming on today and telling us about blind and low vision tennis.
My absolute pleasure, Brian. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on X, formerly Twitter, at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website at speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. In my show archives, it's speaking-out-for-blind.pinecast.co. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. You are listening to ACB Media One, also known as Mainstream, the flagship of the ACB Media Network. The ACB Media Network is a service of the American Council of the Blind. Please visit us at acbradio.org.